Hey out there in listener land, this is Mel House, uh, co-host of Barely Living the Dream podcast. Um, I've wanted to do a film podcast for a while, I just haven't really had the time to do it. But recently, uh, my co-host Chris Warren and I found ourselves on the way out once again to California to work on a film, so we had pretty much 20 hours on the road to record a few, um, I guess, you know, the first few episodes. Um and that kind of has greased the wheel to create more. So if you would, on these first few, um, I don't know if I'm going to intersperse them with other sort of sit-down interview type podcasts once we get into it, but on the first couple, you may notice some automotive noise. I've dialed it out as much as I can, but it's, uh, you know, we're recording them on our iPhone because it was kind of like spur of the moment. And, um, you know, you'll hear a little bit of on-the-road kind of noise. So uh, forgive that. I think you still hear us pretty well. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And make sure you hit us up on Twitter. I am at Upstart Film. Chris is at SeaWorker4. Or check out UpstartFilmWorks.net for any other related news. Good podcast. There in uh, movie-related podcast listening land, I guess it's a very niche market. Yeah, <laughs> very, very specific. Uh, this is the second episode of what I guess probably to call "Barely Living the Dream." Uh, it's kind of tailor-made for that. But uh, the first episode we record, we we recorded on the road, in the car on the way to California, about what 12, 14 hours ago, something like that. Yeah. We just we've been pretty much on the road all day. It's, we just pulled into Arizona. We pulled through Arizona, across uh, the state line. It's about 8 p.m., 8.41 p.m. here. So uh, we were inspired to do, to go ahead and record another episode. Round due. Round due, yeah. Because we're just, we're just burning up, overflowing with all this independent film cinematic realness that we just have to share with you. Uh, I've actually had a, since we did the first podcast, I've had a pretty full day of frantic emails and attempted phone calls because we were driving through the Texas desert, which has really shitty cell reception, uh, both to finalize our permits, to finalize our insurance. There's a crew meeting today that we had to get paperwork done for, so uh, the work never stops, pretty much. But uh, I think the first thing, maybe the only thing, uh, depending on how many aggravated stories we tell, yeah. that we'll discuss today is uh, how pretty much how important pre-production is to the whole process, especially if you're working on a low budget, uh, like most of us probably are, or within a limited time frame. Usually, you both. It's like you have very little money and very little time. So, pre-production is a huge, huge part of the process and a very important part of the process. And the, the things that I've worked on that have been successful in that context have definitely been because of a thorough and concise pre-production process. Um, so I'm going to let Chris take it over because that's kind of like been his life, I think, for the last year or so. I kind of fell into that niche. Yeah. Um, so go ahead. Well... 
pre-production, it's it's very key, like Mel said. I mean, especially in a low budget, a low budget situation, because um, you have so many turning wheels, you have to you have to get going, and you have to keep them going, and they can't stop. Because if they stop, it's going to screw everything up. Um, one of the first things, I mean, obviously, you want to get a good. You know, good first AD, somebody that can be underneath you, whether you're whether you're a producer or a director. Um, normally, most directors will have a first AD that they want to work with. Uh, some don't, and they're just looking. You know, they're looking. So, if you're a producer, it's a good thing to to know a couple at least, or have worked with a couple that you know and like, and know can do the work, because it is. And if you're one of those that are trying to be a first AD, trust me, it is a lot of work. And as Mel always says, it is one of the most thankless jobs. So just understand that getting into it. Um, where do I start? I guess is the where. Well, I mean, where do you usually start? Let's see. Uh, In the process, like, what is the so director hires you as first AD? Yeah. First of all. What do you think, as a first AD, what do you think are your greatest strengths? Like, what should other, what should producers, directors be looking for? And uh, then I guess you can probably get into, like, the process. Okay. Yeah. Uh, definitely some of the things that, you know, if, you, if you're looking for a first AD, the strengths you're looking for is someone who's obviously organized, obviously can handle very high stress, high volume uh, workload because trust me, it gets crazy really fast. Uh, it's basically like rolling down a hill and, or like you start off with this small snowball and it just turns into this huge thing that just rolls and you guys keep it rolling because if you, it's not going to stop and if you just get in the way, you're going to get flattened. Um, but yeah, I would say organization ability to handle high stress, high volume workloads, professional manner. Uh, that's one of the biggest things I can stress is that you want to be professional at all times. Uh, if you, because trust me, Mel knows there have been times I had to, I literally had to walk off to vent because you don't do that on set. Like you do not, you just don't, like it's not professional and you're going to lose the opportunity no matter how pissed off you are, you're going to lose the opportunity on possibly some other gigs if you lose your cool and you start acting unprofessionally. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that like, I would consider a strong, definitely, well, I mean, this goes into organizational skills, but, you know, strong computer skills as well, because now so many, uh, so many things are all on the computer now. You don't have to you're not having to do all the handwritten scheduling and all that. I still do it sometimes just because it helps me and my mindset. But, I mean, they have Movie Magic. They have, what's the one? Gorilla. Gorilla. Uh, there's a couple of other programs out there that I know of. That some of them are actually Movie Magic and Gorilla. <clears throat> you're going to cost you some money. There are actually some out there that are free. Uh, I'll have to relook them up. I can't remember which ones they are, but you'd have to, those are, they're free. They're very simple. They don't do a whole lot like movie you'll find in movie Magic and Gorilla, but they do enough 
to get you by uh, if you need it and you just don't have the money to buy those programs. Um, let me see. You know, obviously Final Draft, uh, Final Draft, Final Draft Tagger, those are both great programs. Most most writers use that. Um, the, you know, obviously in the indie world, you'll find a lot of directors are the writers, so they'll have written it. Um, I can say this as well as a first AD. Sometimes I've actually had to completely transcribe from a director, which has truthfully pissed me off before. I've had to take their entire work and transcribe it into Final Draft so that way I could throw it into Tagger. So that way Tagger, because with Final Draft Tagger, what you can do with that is you actually can go in and tag all your elements, say your actions, your stunts, your you can do all your breakdown sheets essentially, and it'll when you import that into Movie Magic, it'll break it all down for you and you don't have to you don't have to waste all this time hunting it down and adding it to every breakdown sheet. It's just it's crazy and you don't want to do it. And that program I have found at least is, makes it very easy to handle. Uh, what would you say uh, or how would you speak to the, the strength of or I guess the aspect of the of the AD job of being a, I guess a mediator between all the different departments? Oh, uh, well, I mean, you definitely that that I throw that under the professional manner. I yeah. would think uh, because you could you trust me, you're going to run into times where one one head of the department is pissed off. Like let's just say PD is pissed off, which is production design. They're pissed off at the director for something, and you're having to basically keep everybody calm and keep you're the second in command essentially underneath the director so you're trying to just diffuse the bomb keep people calm and if you have to you know ultimately like I had in the past someone was you know upset about money because they had to work overtime and they wanted to make sure they were getting paid and they were very upset about it and rightfully so you know I mean if you're gonna, if you're going to tell your people you're going to pay them for overtime, by all means, you damn well better. Um, so I immediately went to the producer, which... Was that you? No? Probably. I think so. So I immediately went to you and was like, hey, you know, this guy's a little worried about money. He's getting a little upset. Talking about, you know, he's not... wasn't really threatening walking, but he was just upset and wasn't very happy. So, you know... Mel was like, all right, well, bring him in and we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. Well, so, sidebar, that's yeah. important to note. Yeah. I had already sort of planned to do all this in my head. Right. Because I knew that, because this it was a specific situation where he was off payroll uh, for his own reasons. And so it wasn't going to automatically be calculated. And the crew member was sitting in there stewing about it, like having not talked to anybody. And already kind of came out. To Chris, kind of all guns blazing, was pissed off. Just assuming he was going to get, you know, his crinkle pounded, you know, by the production. Uh, but that wasn't the case. I had already kind of noted off to the side, hey, uh, we need to cut a check for this guy's overtime. Uh, so if you're in a crew position and you have concerns like that, don't just assume. I know 
the thing is, like, bad people fuck it up for everybody. Yeah. You know, so I know that everybody has a bad experience. The default assumption is that producers are slimy. They're there to fuck everybody over. They're going to screw you out of everything. And all you're going to get is copy, copy meals of credit. Maybe not even the copy of meals. Uh, and misspell your name on the credit. But give people, I would say, give people the benefit of the doubt. Especially if it's on a production that seems to have their shit together. Uh, and just air your air your grievances like a normal level-headed human being first. Okay. Now, if there's pushback and it becomes an issue and then you figure out that they're out to screw you, then by all means, fucking fly off the handle like... Uh, uh, who's that fucking drummer that was like... Uh, he, they mentioned him in Sabotage. He did the duel with Animal. Um... Damn it, I know you're talking about. Oh, god damn it. Anyway, fly off the handle like that guy. Yeah. Um, I keep wanting to say Gene Krupa, but it's not him. Anyway, fuck it. So, yeah, but make sure that you like, take the professional thing to heart and make sure that your grievance is professionally first. And ideally in a closed forum with only the people that are directly involved. Yeah, don't. That's one thing I'll definitely say. Don't go, don't go balls blazing right in front of every all the crew and everything else because that does not, that doesn't help anything. And, and I mean, you, you know, and you it, never know. Like you said, you never yeah. know of those people who might be looking for people on another thing in the future. Yeah, like there are people we pulled into this project that I never, I, they weren't the immediate assumption from previous movies that I would think, oh, I'm going to pull this person in, this person, in, this person in. But once we got into a certain situation and, like, they were having trouble finding crew, I started to remember, oh, this guy was cool, this guy was cool, this guy was great, you know, they're all good workers. So you never know when you're going to come up in someone's mental Rolodex and, the you know, I, if you blow up like that, uh, that's going to be the first thing they think of. Yeah, and, and by the way, this is also on both sides of the forum. So, I mean, whether you're the crew member that's talking to the AD or the director or the producer or vice versa, you know, you're the AD talking to a crew member, just be, just be wary of that. Like if you're the AD, you try your best not to blow up. Like, you know, one of the things that they asked me when they hired me for this pro- project was, uh, they asked me a couple, a couple, a few people independently of one another asked me the same question. They're like, Hey, are you as an AD, are you super yelly? And I'm like, well, I don't think so. But the thing is, my most recent AD experience, I kind of feel like I got that way. But it's because I was working with a bunch of fucking morons. Yeah. So the the only language they understood was, you know, yelling. The next step was wanted violence, I think. (laughs) Terminate with extreme prejudice. Yeah. But, uh, and even then, I don't really think I yelled that much. I think, you know... Maybe I had to raise my voice a few times because uh, if you listen to the first podcast, you'll remember they didn't get radios. So yeah, exactly. sometimes communication is key. Yeah, yeah uh, that's a very important thing. Um, so anyway, what were we saying? We got derailed. Um, oh, being uh, being AD and being professional about it. Yeah, it's just you know it, it goes both sides. Like that's the main key you want to remember is that. No matter if you're a producer, you're an AD, or you're the director, 
you know, or you're the, not to sound mean. See, I've got crew people calling me right now, so I'm doing business as we're doing this podcast. Yeah, or you're just the, you know, you're the grip, you're the gaffer, you're, you know, not that that's an underling job, but it's still, it's a job that isn't underneath the AD, yada, yada, yada. Um, no matter what, always act, act professional. That's the bottom line. Like, that's the one thing you need to remember. Where would you... Uh, so, I mean, I think a lot of people just, like, decide they're an AD just because because they think they can yell. Huh. Um, and that's that's kind of, like, their context. Yeah. Where did, where did you learn the art of AD? Well, I kind of just picked it. I mean kind of just picked it up really uh first things first I mean a lot of it was from you obviously um yeah yeah but and And I I didn't ask that question with the intention of you saying that no 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 uh but a lot of it was from you uh a lot of it was from a teacher in college uh which her style and my style do not mesh at all um she comes in ball blazing. She's yelling. She's barking orders. And, and you know what? Like that's that's fine and dandy. Like if that's the way you want to be. But there's other ways to get respect. And yelling and barking orders and being called the bitch and all this shit. That that's not worth it to me. Like I don't see the point in it. You know. Uh, I don't want you to think I'm an asshole. Don't get me wrong. Yes, I'm going to make sure we make our day, and I'm going to be stern when we need to be stern. But I'm not going to come in there and just start barking at everybody. And before I even get to know you, you know, like, I, I don't want that, you know. It's professional, but at the end of the day, <clears throat> as long as we make our day and we have fun making our day, that's what matters. Uh, I feel, at least. And I know that it's worked. Like, you know, it's worked more than once. I, I have not had to. You can have, Mel can vouch for this. I've not had to actually raise my voice. Um, now, have I raised my voice? Yes. Um, actually, one of the biggest movies I've worked on, I had to raise my voice because the director just didn't want to listen. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it the proof came out in the pudding and everybody realized what the problem was. So, besides that... Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I've learned most of it from picking up from you, from, like I said, the teacher in college, and just learning on my own. I mean, really, you know, just learning from my mistakes and getting knocked down and picked it back up and kept going, you know, it just didn't stop. So, and directing my own stuff. I mean, that that alone will teach you so much. Uh because you realize, as a director, you're the one getting all the the glory whenever the guy underneath you, or girl that's underneath you that you're an AD, she's the one doing the real grunt hard work and making sure everything's done and proper and your time, everything else, you know. She's handling your schedule while you're worrying about your vision. And that's really where I can speak as a director. I would feel that you need to thank your AD more than just once a day. You know what I mean? I mean, if they're doing a great job. Now, if they're doing horrible, you know, rightfully so, treat them as they should be. But if they're doing a great job, 
let them know that you appreciate everything they're doing. Just trust me, it goes a long way. Yeah, and ideally, let them know you appreciate everything they're doing. But then, like, a week later, don't throw them under the bus when the director of photography says that they <laughs> suck. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to keep beating this dead horse, yeah. but uh, it's funny, like, how how many nights, because there was no planning. I mean, we're talking about pre-production. Yeah. There was no proper pre-production done for this other movie that I was ADing, and we were dealing, I was rolling with the punches every day and trying to, like, basically barely keeping stuff together, and everybody realized it, yeah. and everybody made a point to, to, to vocalize that, and the director, several times, was like, man, you know, because honestly, I, I threatened to walk a couple times just because it was getting too frustrating. And people were getting pissed off for reasons. Like we talked about last episode. Yeah. Food, lunch was late. And there was there was no crafty, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, actors were late being brought to set. Anyway, so it just got too frustrating. Because you know what? I'm about to be 39. I'm getting too old for this shit. Sort of, you know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting too old for this, this shit. I'm getting too old to put up with your shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not going to do... If I'm not getting paid extremely well, I'm not going to do five people's job on a film that I have no passion for and I'm just a hired grunt. Yep. And that you're making more money on to do your job correctly and you're not doing it, so I have to pick up the slack. Exactly. You know, so anyway, I was told several times that I was kind of saving the picture and... Keeping, keeping it all together but then you know like and he the, the night before well, actually was one of the times he told me and then the very next day they it was like I was on the they put me on the firing line and uh I hit the road can I tell you how many times okay so I'm gonna speak to this too because honestly that's not the first time that Mel or I have heard you're the ones one or ones keeping this production together uh, and that's, I mean, that's from just learning from, at least I can say, I know you say probably the same thing, learning from your own mistakes. And oh, just, yeah. And just keep going. Yeah, you know, I mean, going. I know if you listen to this, like, the some people that listen to this are going to be like, oh, well, fuck, they think their shit doesn't stink. Well, no, my shit stank really bad. Probably still does. Yeah. And... I remember what the what the fragrance is. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid it. I'm trying to keep spraying the Glade so that you don't stink up the bathroom. Yeah, you know what I mean? I don't, so, I don't want to smell it and nobody else does. You're right. So, um, yeah, it's from fucking up yeah. numerous times. And, and, you know, even fucking up in retrospect, like editing the movie together and going, oh, shit, we should have got this coverage, this coverage, this coverage. Yep. And we had to hurry up because this and this and this or this wasn't working. Or, you know, so it definitely springs all that experience is brought to bear, you know, when you're ADing or line producing. You know, that's, that's, or producing in general. Like, you can basically really weigh in, you know, on some, on some hard earned, with some hard earned wisdom when you're helping someone else plan your movie, plan a movie, or when you're planning one of yours, another one of yours. So, don't take that stuff for granted. Like, remember those experiences. And remember whether... Whichever side you were on, remember how it felt. Like, and that you don't want that to happen again. Um, so I'm going to speak to an experience that I had as well. Um, 
as being an AD, and then all hell breaking loose and uh, mutiny happened. Uh, Which particular? Uh, was this one we shot this year? Yeah. But not in California? Yes. In Texas? Yes. Okay, okay. I'm just like, there's, the thing there's is, like, a, there's, these, these stories can be applicable to so many things, like, right. Uh, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. But, whatever. So, anyway, continue. So, and I'm going to say this, you know, just understand that this is what happened. So, basically, the, all hell broke loose. The, it was cold. Uh, it was below freezing almost every night. Uh, there were no heaters. There, there was barely power. Barely power. Barely food. Food and water. And uh, all signs were pointing to the director and the producer, and more so the director than the producer because obviously he was just a money guy, uh, and not really there. I mean, he's done work. He's been a produce. He's produced things, but he was more there just to be the money guy. He wasn't there to actually have to really do anything. Um, so <laughs> when it came down to it, and I don't know how elaborate you want me to get on this. I'll prod you when needed, I guess. Okay. Um, so basically after all this happens, we get into, I want to say it was probably the fifth day of shooting and I've scheduled out this movie. We went through all the pre-pro, um, literally did everything by the, almost by the numbers. I mean, there was a couple things that we skipped over, but it wasn't anything that was going to be crazy or stop, stop the production or anything like that. It was just stuff that there was just no way we, we had time. We didn't have time to get to it, especially since the person who was the director sometimes took a very long time to get back to me to even tell me what he needed. Uh, so with that in retrospect and moving further into the story, essentially the actors decided, the actors and crew, after about five, five or six days of this, of it being cold, constant, uh, just no direction, I had everything laid out and ready to go, and said director would decide to just start doing whatever he wanted, and it would bounce, he'd bounce from scene to scene to scene, and I mean, literally, there were times that we as a crew... Sorry, rumble strip. That we as a crew would have to be moving lights from one area of where we were shooting to another area for one quick shot and then right back to the other area. That is one thing that I'm going to tell you right now, you put a stop to before it ever starts because you're just killing time, you're wasting time, and you're wasting money. Because well, and the shots never match. I mean, the lighting's going to exactly. look different because exactly. you moved it. Uh, you know, and it just makes no, it makes no practical sense. It makes no damn sense. Uh, yeah, it's a huge time suck. So, right, all this goes down. We actually have an actor decide to walk, nonetheless. Uh, he calls me and tells me he's walking and that uh, they're going to throw us, they're also going to throw us off the property that we're shooting on. So... Now I have to go try to play buffer 
for the director and for the property owner and they act, try to get the actor back as well. <coughs> so I walk in to all hell breaking loose again and I'm literally the director sitting in his car freaking out. I've got the crew, the cast about a mile down the way in, in the middle of the woods in a cat well yeah in a cabin and they were basically pissed off wondering why we hadn't started yet because our call time I believe was at three our call time was at three and we it was five o'clock when all this really started to kick off as far as all the crap and me having to run from three different areas and having to talk to everybody and play buffer and try to keep people happy and so finally it got down to after all this went down it got down to I walked back down to the crew one more time and was like hey guys just give us a couple more minutes you know we'll we'll get this all straightened out I promise it'll be fine and uh, the crew all looked at me and they were like we're not doing this screw it we're done and uh, I was like well can y'all just go get a bite to eat and then come back like let's try to I'll see if I can get money together. That way, everybody can go eat. And it'll be fine. No, because it was already it was already too late at that point. Because of where we were, it was such a small town that literally all the places shut down at like five or six. Wasn't it? Yeah, although it seemed late because you were texting me because I was in Houston. Remember? Well, but and that I was, was that was once we got back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, sidebar, I was in my own personal hell at this time. <laughs> although I was working on this movie. I was working, I was managing, was it managing then or just delivering? I was uh, managing the pizza restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is an experience you'll hear, you could, you'll see all about in 30 to 45, but I also wrote a blog about it uh, yeah. last year or earlier this year. So I was driving back and forth to this location every night, which was two hours, two and a half hours away. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I didn't have it nearly as hard as Chris, it still kind of sucked. But I'm so I'm sort of like getting all this info from him secondhand, and I just can't like it's. I wish I could I had saved the text because that's almost the funniest depiction, or most entertaining depiction of what was going down. It's like a timeline yeah. of fucking insanity. Yeah, because your phone. I mean, literally, like as everything's going down, I'm texting Mel just so somebody has a log of what has happened and what might happen is I might kill everyone. Because literally everyone was driving me insane. Uh, so after all this, you know, the crew just says, fuck it, and they leave. And I ran back up to try to talk to the director. And I'm like, look, man, your crew's about to walk, and there's nothing I can do. Uh, and he, the director, of course, being the way he is, he was like, fuck them, let them walk. What does it matter? Okay, well... They all start driving off, and he realizes, oh shit, they actually are leaving. And he's like, we have to get them back. We need, we need to shoot. And I was like, look. I was like, I understand that, but you have pissed them off. I've essentially pissed them off. I have to try to fix that now, because I had them all here at 3 or 4 o'clock, and it's now... 9 or 10 o'clock and we haven't even gotten the first shot off on the day because everybody's arguing and nobody can figure anything out and what I mean by that is 
the director's arguing with me, I'm having to go in and argue with the producer, the property owner, and the actor that decided to just stop being there first. Um, so all this keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Finally, I go back into the house, which is where the property owner is, and they they try to basically say, well, Chris, if you'll direct and finish this movie, we'll let everybody stay on and y'all can finish, y'all can finish out the rest of the week that y'all had left to shoot. Okay, let me state this right now. This was not my intention. I did not want to do this because I feel like it's absolutely wrong to take something out from under, underneath somebody. And I just, I didn't feel right about it. You know, I still don't that I had to do it. But at the end of the day, the producer had to have money. The producer had to have something to take home to say, hey, I've spent X amount of dollars on this and this is what I have to show for it. So somebody had to take the reins. So at that point, I was like, let me think about it. I'm not sure if I want to do that. I remember texting you and said, I think I'm about to have to Spielberg. What did I say? Yeah, Spielberg the poltergeist. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, all that goes down. We end up going back to where the cast and crew are staying. And literally the we me and the director and the producer have this big knockdown drag out. It gets to about one o'clock in the morning. And once again, we're fighting about everything and trying to figure it out. And the director's saying he doesn't want me to finish the movie, even though the cast and crews told him that they aren't coming back. The producer's on on our side about this, but at the same time, you know, he's trying to he's trying to play both sides, which is a smart thing to do, but at the same time you you need to get your movie done. <clears throat> but he's trying to play nice and trying to keep the person happy. So the director happy. So with all that, it just it was one thing after the other. Finally the director was just like, okay, I'm leaving, screw y'all. He left. We go in, and as as literally the producer walks in, and he goes in one way of the the building we're staying in, and I go in the other where I literally, as I get out of the car, it's like Animal House Five, like insanity has broken out. People are drinking. There's no orgies, but people are drinking. It's, I just want to pause to point out there's no Animal House two through four. I know. That's why I had to go to five. Okay. Just I just I wanted the intensity. intensity. Yeah, yeah, it was like so much that it it skipped all those. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So those I mean, will be made later as prequels to <laughs> the Caligula festivities that were five. Exactly. Okay. Got it. Mine. I mean, literally, it was just insane, and I was just like. I can't, there's no controlling what's going on. I mean, people are getting just high out of their mind, drunk as shit. It's just debauchery. That's all I, that's the best way I can describe it. So they basically, I walk up and they're like, so what's the decision? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, are you directing the film? And I'm like, how did you even hear about that? They're like, oh, trust me, word gets around. And I said, no, I'm not. The director is going to finish the film. 
and they literally all turned to me and said, well, he'll be doing it by himself because we're all leaving tonight, if that's the case. So what did I have to do? Immediately run back to the producer and tell him, hey, look, here's the issue. Here's what's going on. Side note, kudos to them for having the balls to finally to, to do that. Yeah. Because a lot of people would not... I mean, granted, it, it got pushed beyond Thunderdome, for sure. Yeah. Like, anybody would have broken, but a lot of people, actors especially, no diss on actors, but I mean, you know, they're egocentric people because they're actors, but they're, you, your ego gets tied into this stuff, and you, you think, oh, well, it's fucking shitty, and they're treating me like shit and, mis- and abusing me, but at the end of the day, I'll have my name on a movie, and I'll be up on the screen, and people will see my credit, and, you know, so you kind of forget all that. Or you talk yourself into staying in a shitty situation. Don't let that happen. <laughs> yeah, don't. Don't. Like, if, if shit gets bad like that, don't be afraid to stand up and, and you know, point the finger. But I'll also say on a, a side-side note of that, if it's just little minute things, don't throw a temper tantrum. Well, yeah, yeah, obviously. Like, you know, use common sense. Yeah, like... About what we're talking about here, but, like, this... Obviously, it has to be these, these things that were happening on this set were damn near human rights violations. Like, yeah. I'm surprised that uh, the UN hasn't looked into it. <laughs> Sent troops. Uh, but go ahead. So, anyway, all this goes down. I get the producer. I'm gonna make... Kind of shore this up, because I'm sure there's more I want to talk about. Uh, producer walks out there, ask everybody what, because I get them all for a town hall meeting, essentially. And, uh, they basically all unloaded on him and said, we're not doing it unless that, the director's gone. And so the best way I can describe this is it's like, it literally felt like a movie when this happened, a movie within a movie. I'm like off in a corner while everybody's expressing their opinions because I've already talked enough. I've already expressed everything to the producer, expressed everything to the director. Everybody knows what's going on. So, uh, I'm off in a corner just kind of sitting there just listening to everybody else vent and get it off their chest. And finally the producer goes, so what, okay, so this, the director is out. So what do you want to do? And, uh, who's gonna, who's gonna finish this film? And literally, I'm looking down at this point, I think I was looking at my phone. It gets quiet, I look up, and it's like, you know, one of those quick Silent Hill type things where everybody's just looking at you. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, no, no guys, I don't want this, like... And I had already kind of made up my mind when I was in the car at the earlier point of that point of that conversation with the producer that I wasn't going to do it, that I didn't want to. Screw it, you know? But finally, some of the actors and everybody else said, Chris, you're the only one that's close enough to this to finish it. You have to do this. We want to finish it, but we're just not going to do it with that director. You have left the planned route. Sorry, everyone. We had to take a take a, uh, a gas and pee break. Gas break. Um, anyway, so back into the story... Um, you know, as they all look at me at that point and after hearing them say, you know, Chris, you're the only one that really knows the script. We really would like for you to take over and finish. I basically changed my mind because, you know, I felt like not only did I need to do 
due diligence to the producer who obviously had paid me quite pretty much the most I've ever been paid to be a direct assistant director. Yeah. <laughs> and I also, since several of these, several of the actors were also close friends of mine, not that that really weighs in, but it is a factor. I wanted to make sure that they were taken care of and actually got to finishing, get a decent product out of it. So that changed my mind and off we went to the races to me now being a director and stepping up from just first AD to director. Continue on I-10 West for 80 miles. Then take exit 260 on the right to go onto I-19 South. And Mel actually stepping in and being first AD at that point. Um, which, I mean, really, it was kind of, it was already pretty much laid out. It was just a matter of, you know, just helping me with whenever we needed it. Uh, anything you want to add to that? Anything I'm missing? Uh, no, I mean, you're the one that experienced it all, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the director actually came back and finished. Um, and, you know, from what I can tell of what I've seen of the product, it, it looks decent. It looks good. Uh, and I wish him nothing but the best. I mean, and I mean that truthfully. Like, like Mel said, you know, we're not here to just bitch, and that's not what we're doing. We're just giving examples of things that have happened to us and so that way either A if you see something like that you know what to do to get away from it or to try to heat it off at the past instead of letting it run down like we had to or to just like I said to get away from it and not be a part of it so that's one story that I can give that's, you know, wasn't a mistake, but at the same time, it was a hard lesson that I had to learn. And boy, did I, to say the least. Yeah. So. But you did, I mean, you know, you got everything shot, I think, that we get right, that yeah. you had to. Yeah, everything up to, like I said, the director came back and uh, we actually all came back, you know, and. I don't want to say we're great friends, but, you know, we, I, I can say this, that in reality, if he called and wanted us to work again, it, it would be a probably, not a, it's going to happen, but a probably, at least, so, I would definitely have to think about it. Yeah, yeah, some, some, some of us have more on the line, I think. Yeah. There's more, there's, there's someone in particular I'm thinking of yeah. that made a certain bargain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that if he were to go back, he'd lose something very important. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that just goes to show you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, man, it's hard to pick horror story. It's actually hard to, it's hard to think of times where you don't have horror stories, really. Well, and that's one thing that you have to understand is another thing is being first AD. It's it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard, and you need to be ready for it. Like, and, and truthfully be ready for it. Because uh, if you're not, you're going to have more than just horror stories. You're going to 
you're going to put your name out there. It's going to be bad reputation because you're not ready, you're not prepared, uh, and you're not handling things well. Uh, so just understand that pre-production is key. Scheduling, tagging, doing all the things that are required of you as a first AD, making sure you make your deadlines. Because uh, that's the first thing, you know, if if a director comes to you and says, hey, I want to schedule by next week, if it's possible and you can do that, you know, obviously don't sign yourself on to something that you're not going to make. Uh, but, you know, if you've got other gigs and you're like, you just explain it to them, be like, look, I've got some other things, I will try my best to hit that, but is it all right if we hit you know, a week and say, give me three days or a week and four days. Most of the time they understand and they're willing to work with you, especially if you're somebody who has worked with them before, they're willing to work with you and they will. Uh, so just keep that in mind and don't, don't overbook yourself either. That's one thing I definitely, definitely can speak to is don't, don't ever take on too much that you you end up not being able to handle it all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and just, yeah, I, I don't know. What else? I'm trying to think of other things that, uh, I mean, just like realize that the tools are there to make your life easier. Like uh, stuff like tagging, day out of days, breakdown sheets, like all those the sketch, like actual real scheduling programs and budgeting programs, are very granular. Like they they break down the data to like you know very 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 specific sort of slivers. So figure out how all that stuff works and interacts with one another and use it to your advantage. Like you can set you can modify stuff and set up things build your own sort of breakdown sheets or, you know, what every, cause every production's different. So whatever's going to serve that production best. And then like, once you start to learn people, the, the, the rest of the crew, the people you're going to be interacting with the most, like once you start to learn their way of work, you can kind of tweak things to sort of get best, pra- get best practices. Yeah. Uh, so really learn that stuff. Uh, don't just get a megaphone and, Start barking. Start barking orders, pretty much. Because I've been on sets where people think that's pretty much all there is to it. But, I mean, AD is one of the hardest jobs on a set. The other is line producer. And, I mean, those are... Name name an AD. Name a line producer. You know what I mean? Like, those are people you never hear of. They don't get, you know, as much glamour or shine as, as the rest of the crew. But super important to the overall production process. Uh, and any good director will know that that's the case. Right, exactly. Yeah, the way I got, honestly, the way I got experience in doing that stuff was being in a position where I was a director, but had to do all of that myself. Like, maybe without the title, necessarily. But pretty much on every production up to this point, you know. Uh, having to figure all that stuff out figuring out insurance, figure out permitting like SAG stuff, rates all that uh, and that's where I got that skill set and you'll find that because those are a couple of the hardest jobs 
specifically line producer, yeah. no one ever really wants to do that job because it's not glamorous. Uh, it's very labor and numbers intensive. Tedious. Tedious, yeah. Uh, if I had hair still, I'd definitely be pulling it out a lot. <laughs> and then people, you know, people will come to you with all their problems. And not just crew. I mean, you know, people on the outside, SAG representatives, insurance people, people with location issues, rental houses, they're going to contact you. Um, so you kind of have to, you have to have a personality that sort of suits that, I guess, or be in the right mindset to do the job. Because it's not one you can sort of like fuck off at. <laughs> a lot of people, I guess, especially at the local level, look at filmmaking as like a kind of a glorified party with cameras or an excuse to play grab ass or whatever that's not going to fly in either of those positions really like if you're going to do it for real so if you're a dilettante those are not the jobs for you no uh, the other the other another thing I can speak to in pre-production especially if you're a starting off AD and you're really wanting to get into the business and start uh, doing things, not just independently. Uh, you need to learn the SAG, SAG labor laws. And trust me, you're going to want to know. Uh, you need to know how many hours, you know, said actor can work, what their, what their lunch schedule is, you know, uh, which normally it's, it's an eight-hour eight hour day. Right, uh-huh. eight-hour day, and you get they they can either have a thirty-minute or an hour lunch, depending on what they want or well, really what the producer decides. Uh, but it has to at least be a thirty-minute lunch. Uh, and trust me, that's something that you're gonna want to remember because when and that's something that, that's part of your job as an AD because when you start going over into overtime with these SAG actors their rate just goes up exponentially yeah and there is no and then you have the line producer on your ass because you're spending a ton of money in just a day especially on some some of the name more higher named actors I mean literally you'll just be throwing money out the door yeah to keep them on for three or four hours extra hours yeah so if you can't don't like if you can not need them then don't need them that really sounded weird but yeah well yeah learn to learn to shoot smartly shoot around stuff cheat stuff shoot out their coverage um, get them first yeah if you whenever you when you bring them on their time starts the second they hit the door so understand that and have them have everybody ready to go have make sure makeup's ready make sure your wardrobes were ready um, then just throwing people throwing them in getting them out that way you can start shooting and you can get rocking and rolling you also want to like if you're doing sag stuff and you're using god forbid you're using kid actors child actors that's a whole other ball of wax <laughs> can of worms pit of snakes uh, so you need to learn all the ins and outs of that because the laws are different. They're dead. They're, they're specific state laws. Uh, like, you know, and then there you, you need to check, look into whether or not you have to have a teacher on set. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of stuff you have to worry about. 
you need to think about shooting on holidays. If the holiday is considered one where it's it affects the pay rate, sometimes they won't, sometimes they will. You got to look and look at the SAG's calendar and see. Uh, the sixth day, the seventh day, forced calls, turnarounds. Yeah. Like there's all kinds of stuff that you have to sort of educate yourself about. Grace. There's this world. There's this lovely word called grace. Yeah. It's not. It's not lovely. Trust me. And a lot of directors think that it means they get a lot more time when they really don't. They get one extra shot. So basically, whenever you call Grace, Grace is, if a director asks for Grace and you can do it, you call for Grace, and that means that they literally, the director, everyone has one more shot to get the shot that they need before we break for lunch or we break for lunch, dinner, or if you're just breaking for the day, if you're wrapping for the day. And you don't even really want Pull to pull that pen, yeah. yeah. If you don't have to, don't. Like, if you have it and the director is just wanting to get one for safety or just trying to go for another just to make sure he has it in the can, if you don't need it, don't do it. Because it pisses a lot of people off, especially whenever you do it over and over and over again. And I've been in that situation, and it's not fun. So that's definitely something to remember. Um, I mean, really, everything we've talked about, it comes down to the planning. Yeah. Like, you need to plan your schedule and your shoot days and your call sheets with that, with those goals in mind. Like, know that, okay, we're starting at this time. It's going to take X amount of time to get these people through a makeup so we can get this shot, this shot, and this shot, or this scene, this scene, and this scene. Based on the director's shot list, we can get these shots done before lunch. This is when we'll be finishing up with the last shot. This is when we sort of when we need to break for lunch. And then after lunch, we catch this and this before we have to wrap everybody for the day. You kind of have to have those mile markers preset. You can't just sort of show up and fly by the seat of your pants. No. It's not going to fucking work. Yeah. You're you know? going to you're going to fail. It may start the day, the day may start off great, but trust me, it's going to catch up. And it's going to bite you in the ass. Yeah. Yeah, one of the biggest things is just, you know, uh, and, uh, there it is. Basically, something else you need to make sure is an AD or if you have a second AD, which a lot of times you're not going to have one. You just be ready for that. Yeah. Um, if, you know, you as just a first AD, if you don't have somebody that's a line producer that's going to basically know what your schedule is going to be like and plan for it for you, you need to make sure that they know that, hey, we need to make sure we have lunch here at... If you start at 6 in the morning, you damn sure better have lunch there probably about 11.30. Yeah. Or actually earlier than that. Yeah, because when you break... You probably should have it like 10. Right. 30. When you break for lunch, it means that they should be able to walk out and get food immediately. Yep. Like it's our, or it's ready to go. It's already plated. Like not, you break for lunch and they stand around for 5, 10 minutes while you set up. Yeah. Food needs to be out and ready it's to go. Out and ready to go. That way they can walk up because another thing you have to realize in a professional setting, your script supervisor is also going to have a clock and you will have one too, nine times out of 10. Um, and you're waiting for that last person to get that, their food. 
because that's when your time starts. That's when your 30 minutes or your hour starts. It's not when the first person goes. It's when the last person gets there. So always remember that too, that you want to make sure everyone gets out of the, get, gets out of the set or wherever you are and gets to crafty and gets their food in a timely manner, not sit around and bullshit out in the set for five, 10 minutes and then decide to walk up. Oh, well, because the line's going to be long. So what? Get over there. That way you're ready to go as soon as the line is ready to go. And, you know, if you want to go over to the crafty area and talk, that's fine. Just tell them, hey, will you please go over there and just wait so that way the second the line does clear up, you can go get your food and I can get the, the clock going so that way everybody can eat and it'll, we can be efficient. Any other important points you want to hit? make sure to hit? Pre-production. Locations. <laughs> yeah. Location specifics. Uh, you know, that's something that's definitely locations. You're, uh, that all falls into paperwork, which, you know, as first AD, you're going to be partially responsible for too. Um, you want to make sure that your line producer is getting all of the paperwork, the, the locations agreements, which nine times out of 10, that'll already be taken care of. But your crew, your crew deal memos, your cast memo deal memos, make sure that that line producer has all that. And the, uh, what's the other agreement that they signed? The, uh, for them to be able to film them. Oh, the release. Yeah, it makes sure. The likeness release. You want to make sure that your line producer has all that because if they don't have that, Technically, if some said someone wanted to be an asshole, they could come back and sue you, or sue the sue the the company, the LLC, whoever's in charge of it. They could sue them because you never got that paperwork signed, and that'll fall back on you as a first AD. Or well, first fall back on line producer for not making sure it happened, and then fall back on the first AD for making sure for definitely being second in command of that to make sure it didn't get happen, didn't happen. Um, because really, you shouldn't even roll on someone until you have all that signed and all your uh, your eyes dotted, your T's crossed. You want to make sure that's all done. Another thing that I'll definitely speak to is uh, your preliminary call sheets that are going to need to be sent out the night before the night before the day of the call sheet. Uh, and if you can get even further ahead than that and you think it's going to stay that way, that's great too. Just get ahead. That way you can send them as soon as you get done shooting for the day and you're not having to kill yourself overnight trying to make it work. But sometimes it doesn't work that way and sometimes you're having to rearrange the schedule to make things work because something happened, something you couldn't control. So... But the first thing your actor is going to ask for is preliminary call sheet because they want to know what they need to be rehearsing for and what lines they need to be rehearsing because a lot of actors you'll find, especially in the more professional level, are doing more than one thing. And so they want to make sure that they've got their lines memorized for the day, the day of. Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, nine times out of ten, they read the script, they like where it's going, they they make their character, but then they really get the lines memorized the day, the night before, so that way they can come in the next day and they're good to go. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people people's processes differ. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, 
committing hard stuff to memory usually. I see it happen a lot, like the day before that. Because, yeah, there's so much going on, and they may be working on three or four different things. Right. You know, and they, you know, getting them in, if you're doing like a horror movie or whatever, and you're shooting way out of order, just shoot out locations or whatever, they need to get in a specific headspace at certain times of the script. Is this the buildup? Am I being chased? Am I the chaser now? You know, like, exactly. How much blood is on me? How much am I crying? Who's died so far? All that stuff. Yeah. So they need, they, they need to know ahead of time to sort of get in that, that zone. I would always... Uh, I got in the habit, not that it fucking mattered on this last movie, but I, I got in the habit of sending out, you know, prelims like maybe three or four days ahead of time and then following up the night before with the final... Yeah. You know, uh, I kind of had to do that because it was just me against the world, pretty much. Uh, obviously, it didn't fucking matter anyway because shit would change like on the day, exactly, or whatever. But I know people were appreciative. People in the crew were appreciative of it, and the actors were appreciative of it because they told me they were. Well, and they, they, I mean, it's something that's kind of expected because it helps them get prepared for the next day, right? Um, and what one tool that I've been using actually that I really like is, uh, it's called Casper and it's a call sheet. It, it's, it's a production suite that generates call sheets, production reports, your SAG schedule G, uh, for all your SAG performers and your hot cost reports for the budget. So it kind of condenses everything down into one. And if you don't have, a, if you have a production coordinator and all that, great. Cause you it just like spits out the stuff for them. Uh, it makes it pretty easy if you take the time to enter all the information correctly at the beginning. If you don't have a production coordinator or a second AD, it makes your life a lot easier as an AD or a line producer, UPM, whoever's doing that shit. Uh, to keep all that information in one place and make it talk to each other and have it have the effects of one thing cascade into another. You know, so you can kind of track everything. And it's a, it's a free download and it works within Excel. Uh, it's called Casper, so I would recommend that. And I, I'm just now learning it. It looks like a great program. Uh, I would definitely refer it as well. I just, uh, like I said, I'm still learning it. Probably will use it the next time I'm the first AD on the project. I can see the, I can see the lights of Tucson. Yeah. Which means that In and Out is not far away. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think we're we've reached the end of another. Rant sesh. Yeah, I don't want to call it that because hopefully it's more than that. But hopefully there's some quality information. Yeah, in between all just those. sort of like talking through the process, or at least our process seems to be working so far. So yeah. uh, we will probably knock out another one. I don't know. I can't tell off the top of my head what subjects we'll be covering, but I'm sure something will come up. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, once we get into shooting on the set of Wicked Tricks. We may talk some of those people into jumping on and talking to us. Uh, you know, just get their thoughts on on uh, their perspective. I guess would be the best the best way to put it on you know living the dream, quote unquote, barely living the barely dream. Barely living the dream. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we hope you'll stick around. Thanks for listening. Adios.